I think we can start. Well, good morning, everyone. Um, wanted to uh, welcome everybody into the room this morning and with our special guest, uh, Richard Allen, who I've known for quite a while, actually. Um, Richard, good morning. I want to introduce you in a second. Hey, Versa. Hey. It's been, it's been a minute. I love this lady, y'all. <laughs> I love her. Uh, I've got a lot of good things to say about you, too, Richard. <laughs> so so let me introduce you. Let me introduce you because there's much to say, you know, because Richard Allen is a writer, director, and Grammy-nominated producer. And, and he's based in L.A. Richard's many credits include The Musician and Sweet, two feature films that he wrote and directed. He is the award-winning writer of six musicals that have played around the country, including Off-Broadway. Off Richard sold and directed two pilots with the Walt Disney Company and ABC as a Spark Fellow and has worked with Universal Studios, Warner Brothers and Sony. He is currently show-running a new TV series, Americano, while producing a slate of feature films. He's also a founder of, and CEO of Anthology Institute and Anthology Film Festival, providing grants to filmmakers and theatre artists. Held this year at the Grove AMC, the Anthology Film Festival will feature over 100 films. Richard graduated from Corbin University with degrees in Biblical Studies and Theology. His specialty is black-centered experiences and inclusivity. So welcome to our room, Richard. My goodness, there's so much to kind of talk about. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. My yeah. goodness. Because you and I met many years ago uh, when you were a producer, a music producer and a manager. Uh-huh. And That's... you I just loved working with you because you were very clear about your direction. You knew what you wanted to achieve with your artists. And I think you know, that's the kind of first thing I think is important that you understand, you know, the person that you're working with and who, you know, what needs to happen as a result of that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we knew what we were working with and we knew what we wanted and we got it and he got stolen. So that was, we did well. Yes, I wasn't <laughs> going to mention it unless you were. <laughs> So we did something right, you know. <laughs> we did something right. We certainly did. We were doing fantastically well, actually. It was so crazy. How, and this is a lesson that for everyone to really understand, you know, because everything, everything was going very, very well with this young artist. And Richard was doing phenomenally well, producing phenomenal music. And this kid was like literally on the upward, straight upward ascendancy. And suddenly the kid got, persuaded by someone else and was stolen from under Richard's, you know, under Richard's guidance. And it kind of, I think, I mean, I was gutted from it. I'm sure you were devastated, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, it took me a minute to kind of really understand, you know, those kind of decisions because then the kid went nowhere, which is like. Yes. And then I think it's a lesson for everyone to understand, you know, when things are going right, it's not a, it's not a time for you to drop everything, you know, it's a time to really hone in and, and, and get closer to you, to, to the people who care about you and, and be grounded and keep going in the direction that you need to go, not do a completely about turn and do a left Absolutely. swing, you know, yeah. because it's the, it's the momentum, isn't it, that keeps it going all the time. Absolutely. You know, and the, the thing is like you, when you're building an artist or you're building a film, you're, 
you're really building this sense of a brand, right? And yes. the one thing we had as a team is we understood his brand and we understood how to make that happen. And, and then yes. when someone else came in, um, which I don't mind calling them out, Universal Music Group, when they came in, finally, <laughs> uh, you know, I've worked with them since, so I don't have a problem with it. But, you know, um, they didn't understand the brand. They didn't get it. And so no. they went a whole different direction. And then he fell off the face of the earth. Good yeah. news now, he is starting to produce and songwrite, which is great. Oh, um, fabulous. And he, yeah, and he had a really great song come out not not too long ago that he wrote for another artist. So I'm glad he's finding his way, but he he disappeared for a decade because of that. Yeah. You know, and that's just sad. And that's, you know, you know, this and this is the thing. It's like you got to listen to the people that care about you. You know, it's very easy when you're on the upward swing that everyone's going to come to you and sweet talk you and tell you they're going to do all these fabulous things for you. <laughs> and it's true, though, isn't it? That's what happens. it's so true. And, and then, I always told him I, I would tell him all the time versus I would say, hey, never believe the hype. You, you know, you yeah. hear me saying all these amazing things about you. And yes, they're probably true. But at the same time, you, it's your job to never believe it. Let everybody talk about it. Let everybody say how amazing you are. And I'm not saying you don't, you're, you believe the opposite of that, but uh, don't be, there's a little delusion you need to play with, but don't fall into full delulu about who you are and what you can do. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I love that you said that because it's so true. You know, people, everyone's going to tell you, you know, when you, Everyone's going to tell you how fantastic you are and how much they love you, what you're doing. And this is amazing. But the thing is, if you're grounded and, you know, which is a really important part of being a performer or on any level, it's it's important to stay true to yourself and true to the people that have got you to that place that, you yes. know, you are at this moment. Because, And it's it's important to have conversations. Like if you're thinking of moving on, then have conversations, at least have the respect be respectful and have conversations because there's it doesn't come easy and right. it really doesn't because you're working your ass off all day long you know and, and and then suddenly it's like this thing's kind of ripped away from you you know ripped away from that, your heart and soul and it's it's like what the fuck happened you know yeah. <laughs> you know in the way and, and i think the most important thing is like you know i think we all as artists are you know, producers or whatever we are, you know, I think we all have to have those moments throughout our week or in, in part of our journey where we're touching the grass. You know, this is the thing that keeps us grounded. The, you know, the things that keep us grounded, the people that keep us grounded, as you were saying, you know, and you've got to keep, have that consistent within your repertoire of what you're doing every single day, because it's, we, I think as artists, you have to have a, 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 a you have to have a healthy amount of delusion to do this business, to be in entertainment. <laughs> right? I love that. I love that. <laughs> otherwise you can't make it. If you're just full on reality, then the reality is this is the worst place to be to make money. This <laughs> is the worst place to be, to feel like, you know, you're, you're being validated. I mean, those changes just don't happen. So you have to have this sense of delusion and belief in yourself. But at the same time, you have to have this also healthy sense of, okay, this is a moment where I'm grounded and touching grass. You know, and I always say you have to equal parts swagger, equal part humbleness, equal parts delusion. And then that's that's the makeup of a good artist. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. 
and you know and you have ears to hear and 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 mouth to speak you know and to do both yeah, but listen totally. more than talk in talk less you know absolutely so absolutely. so talk to talk to us about the you know you you started out as a as a as a producer and you know managing artists so talk us through you know your journey like what yeah. you know what happened from a to b to c to where you are today yeah, absolutely. Like so weird. So as I was managing my that client, I was actually I never wanted to be a music manager. I just happened to be kind of good at it. And so um, I was lucky to have a band that broke, you know, pretty did pretty well and broke really well and on MTV. And then, it, you know, we blew up and then um, I signed that the new client and then he started to blow up. So I had some things going. And but the music business, as you know, Versa is very hard. Um, yeah, it is. It is a knife fight in the music business, <laughs> you know, and I started to realize I don't have the personality type to strategize all the time. And that's what it feels like you're always doing when you're in a music executive. Um, and, you know, because it's such an easy business um, to turn over, you know, our uh, the music executives turn over very fast in the music business. And I just don't have that mindset of that survival. Like, put me in a zombie apocalypse and I'm fine. Let's fight all day. But, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't want to be on a label, you know, thinking about how I'm going to knife this person, you know. <laughs> so oh, my God. I, I started to think, you know, I've got to, you know, got to have something else. And film was always a thing. I've been writing scripts since I was, like, 13 years old. And so, for me this is always a place I wanted to be in. I just didn't realize how to get there. And I had worked for Sundance and all these other places, but um, I finally took the chance and I'm like, I'm gonna make a film, you know? And while I was managing my client, I made my film at the same time. Um, and so my film actually ended up being my, my fallback. And that first film actually still makes me money today. I still get checks in the mail, which is great. Uh, <laughs> my my distributor is still selling the hell out of this, but I'm pretty big in China. <laughs> so it's That's it's great big, though. I know? love that. And, and that just made a natural um, thing for me to keep moving. And after that, I, I did a second film um, and then Disney came calling and, and they were like, hey, we have some money. Would you like to go make some, you know, would you like to give us a, a presentation? So I gave them a presentation of some shows I wanted to make. Um, this is a, at a time where they were really looking at creators and going, okay, what can these kids do? And, um, and I was one of those kids and they liked two of my presentations and they were like, go ahead and make a pilot. And they gave me the money and I went ahead and made two Disney pilots, one with ABC and one with Disney. Uh, well, with, I should say Disney XD, with Disney XD and one with ABC. And mm -hmm. um, and I got to make, I got to show run and and also direct those pilots, which is like a big deal. Um, and then Disney was like, well, you know, that's great, but this doesn't really fit our brand. And I was like, well, why'd you make me, why'd you let me go make them? That makes no sense. Uh, Disney is a very confusing organization. And so yeah, and then I, I did the Disney and then from there, I've just been producing like crazy. Uh, you know, I joined a couple of TV shows and then um, I've been producing films and line producing for folks and producing my own stuff. And um, I guess in the middle of that, it's hard for me to say my direct line because I'm all over the place. 
Um, in the middle of that, I decided to, during one of my highest moments, um, I'm going to write a musical because I'm kind of bored right now. I don't, I don't <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what am I going to do? I'm bored right now. So I called a buddy up who is a, a pretty um, known director. And I was like, hey, you know, if you were to write a musical, what would you, if you wanted to direct a musical, what, what would you like to direct? And he told me about the 1961 Freedom Rides. And it was an Oprah special. And I went and watched the Oprah special. Wow. Um, I, I was like, this is amazing. How do I not know about this? And I wrote a musical called The Freedom Rides, uh, Freedom Riders. And um, not to be confused with Freedom Writers. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and then it went off Broadway twice. And um, there's an album out that you can stream down all streaming services. Um, uh, and so after that, I've been writing musicals as well. So I've been like oscillating between TV, film and theater pretty regularly um, through this career. Like right now I'm casting for four different projects and one of them is a play, one of them is a musical, one of them is a TV show, one of them is a film um, at the same time. So it's kind of my, my, my thing now to just be in all of those, all of those places. So do you ever sleep? Because you've got so many projects on the go. It's crazy. Uh, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying that. I'm trying that thing <laughs> called sleep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that people say you should do. I'm trying that. I know I have an abundance of energy, and that's and uh, I get a little that restless. You know? Yeah, that's fantastic. You know that I know exactly how that is. Absolutely. Yeah. You just keep so, going until, you know, it says time to sleep, and then you close your eyes for an hour or two, and then you wake up and start all over again, you know. Yep. So what part of producing do you enjoy most? What is it? What is, is it the connection with the people? Is it the fact that you, you know, maybe you're writing music or you hear music and you can put it into, you know, you can create something separate. What is that? Yeah, I think my, my for myself, I love supporting artists as a producer because I'm an artist right. myself. And, and for me, it's really helping them hone in on art. I find that artists sometimes are, uh, we, we are our own worst enemy. Um, and sometimes we don't know how to get out of the way. And I feel like a really good producer is also a good editor. Um, and they also know how to get an artist out of the way of themselves. You know, and I feel like that's, you know, a good manager, you know, a good talent agent like you, you know, I think that's, I think, uh, talent manager, I think that is a, a big part of that. So as a producer, I love to help the artist hone in on that idea, um, you know, really focus it, um, give them a good understanding about the markability of what we're trying to do, uh, and then trying to figure out the, the putting the puzzle together of, uh, right. of the whole thing as a producer. Um, it's one of my so favorite things. So do you think that the experience you've learned previously, say, working with artists and stuff like this, helped you do the work as a writer and director? Has that, has that brought you an experience that you can now um, kind of elaborate on and bring out in as a writer and director? Absolutely. You know, I think, I mean, I think you, we're, I mean, we're all telling stories, right? And right. I think, and I think that's the, the main point that's consistent through all of those different um, categories or genres is the, the sense of storytelling, the sense of emoting. Um, and I learned a lot. There's things that music does so well that we can we would love to capture in film and we have to use music to capture it. 
Um, we can we couldn't do it alone just with the visual storytelling um, and music adds so much. And so, yeah, I learned a lot from how to tell a story through music. Um, and I have that thing where, you know, if I hear music, I, I see music. So when I when I'm listening to music, I actually visualize it in colors. Um, and so as I'm hearing it and so for me, um, it really translates well into this visual medium for me. So even when I'm writing and stuff, I'm usually using music to even spur myself on. So music's always had this really great connection for me on storytelling and writing. I don't know if it answered the question, but I said something. Yeah, I mean, it's about, <laughs> well, yes, absolutely. Because, you know, there's there's a vibration with music. There's a There's a fundamental emotionality with music. And I would imagine that... You know, you as a writer and a director, if you're looking at colors, writing is, you know, is one aspect of that process of putting, a, you know, something together. And the director part of you, I guess, is elaborating and bringing all that, that color that you see to life, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, and I think that's, you know, the, one of the best things about a, a producer, I, well, if you get, you find a really good creative producer, um, is that they can go on that journey with you, you know, uh, uh, whether that's music or um, or whether that's film and TV, um, that they can help tell that story and that visual or soundscape. Yeah. So, you know, going from like a music producer to actually a producer and you've done, you know, feature films that you've written and directed and, you know, television shows that you've written and, you know, and got placed, so how does that part of you, how, you know, that there must be something different or mm -hmm. uh, something to kind of talk about in terms of, you know, you're now a show, you're, you're show running your new TV series. So how, how different is that from being like a producer to being a showrunner? Wow. Yeah. That's a good, actually a really great question. Um, yeah. They're, they're, I feel like they're absolutely two different things. If I can say anything to writers is, hey, you don't want to be a showrunner. <laughs> <So> <laughs> that's my first thing I say to writers, you know. Um, I mean, showrunning is definitely a producer's medium. And, uh, and I mean, as you are writing, like, and creating this show and doing all this stuff, um, this is my second, well, no, this is my third show. This is my third show I'm showrunning. Um, but as you as you are doing that, you're learning. It's really, I mean, it's in the title. You're running a show, um, and so your brain is thinking about so many different aspects of the show. And you're being asked things like, you know, this costume, you know, this swimsuit is ten thousand dollars, you know, and can we fit that in? And I mean, you're you're talking budgetary things as well as writing stuff and taking notes from your studio or your production company that you're working with. It's really this really crazy multifaceted thing. And I think it lends itself well to producers who have done a lot of multifaceted stuff because producers were managing multi-departments, right? Within a film or, um, or a music project, we're, multi we're doing all of that. And so uh, show running is that same thing. You're just adding actual creative, the creative writing aspect to it. Um, and that, I think that's why you have a lot of shows that don't do well because uh, it's show running is really hard, actually. It's not, yeah. it's not an easy thing. Um, and being a writer is really hard as well. So now combining that with actually producing, it's, that's nuts. Um, so it's a really <laughs> nutty job, you know? Yeah, <laughs> so but you being, gotta be crazy. 
Yeah, but being a showrunner, you know, you've written it, um, and now you're kind of bringing it to life, you do have a strong idea about what you want to see in front of you, right? Yes. Yes. So you're very clear about that. And you, you have to be, because if you're not very clear with that, the production company or the studio that you're working with will be very clear about what they see, you know, and and you, then you'll be writing a show that you don't believe in. So it's right. really, it's very important for you to hone in on what it, what story are you telling and why are you telling it, which I think is one of the most important aspects of being a showrunner, the why. Um, why are we doing this? Why are we about to spend millions of dollars on this show? Um, and I, I think that's uh, a really important question to to kind of go into all of this. But yeah, it, it can be super fulfilling creatively because you are birthing this thing from scratch um, right. sometimes. My second show um, that I did, um, I actually inherited. It was a show written by two uh, lovely white ladies, um, but it was a Black-centered uh, show. And... Um, so I was brought in as the showrunner to not, um, not blackify it, but yeah, blackify it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's, I don't have a better way to say it. I mean, there was a way that it was missing a sense of centered black experience. You know, it was doing all the right things. It was talking about the right stuff. You know, it, it had all the right things, but there was just a centeredness missing. And so my, I came in to really just give it that centeredness, um, and 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 that's when the show kind of took off and there was interest in it but you know uh but i wasn't the creative eye so you know uh i had to figure out okay how do i inherit this how do i Mm. develop this world and make it authentic to what i do um and still keep the integrity of why anyone was even interested in this story you know because i can't just come in and redo it completely so you, it's a lot of um, ego managing at the same time because right. you have to service the story and not your ego. And that's sometimes hard to, dif- to differentiate for artists. Absolutely. <laughs> so, the, so when you're looking, you know, what is it that you look for in your actors when you're you know, putting together these, you know, whether it's a feature film or a TV show, what is it that you're looking for in the actor? Oh gosh, yeah, I love this. Love this one. Um, gosh, okay. So I just did. Uh, I just had a couple in-room callbacks, um, and that's and that was my first. They were my first ones since being uh, out of the pandemic. Um, everything else has been online, right? And so that's where we've all been living. Uh, and so it was so good to be back in the room. But it made me go, okay, what am I looking for now? Because now we have this connection, and now they can. And now they can bowl me over with their personality. <laughs> yes. I just fall in love with them with their personality. And is that what I'm looking for? And I decided, you know what? I had to think about this. And I was like, yes, that's exactly what I'm looking for. I'm looking for people I want to work with. You know, I just, my assumption going into it, and I haven't been really proven badly wrong on this, is but anyone that makes it to the room at part of this is supremely talented. They're all talented. You know, and they all have a different version of the character they're bringing to the room. So it's not like someone's bringing the right or the wrong. They're bringing just different versions. So at that point, I'm trying to hone in, okay, what's the version that I like? But also, who do I want to work with? Who do I enjoy? Who do I vibe with at the same time? You know, who do I think will be great with the crew? I'm thinking about all of those things. Yeah. Because we have to live with each other 
for you know uh, how many ever episodes that we're filming, which means how many ever months that ends up being. And the last thing you want is a nightmare personality, you know, and a lead. So I think about all of those aspects and that becomes one of my number one filters at that point, because otherwise they wouldn't have made it in a room if they weren't talented and beautiful and all these other things, right? right. So at this point, it's like, you know, who, I don't want to be friends with you, but I definitely want to like you. I definitely want to be able to be your champion. And I'm looking for people who allow me to champion and root for them. Um, in the room, basically. I mean, it was interesting, you know, hearing, you know, as at a screening for West Side Story, you know, whenever that came out two or three years ago, a couple of years ago, and it was interesting to hear the actors talk about that it was a kind of a 10-year journey for some of them, you know, that it took all this time to work together. I mean, what's your process, say, from you know, writing and then kind of figuring out how to sell this project. And then from there, what is that process? Yeah, it's, I mean, it, every project has a different life cycle or journey. Um, you know, some projects uh, are easier to place and some just are not, and you'll be doing them for years. So I look at what the project is initially. Uh, so well, case in point right now, I'm working with, a, I have about six musical movies that I'm producing with a very big, um, with a very big, you know, Grammy, Tony winning producer, blah, blah, blah. And he's now producing a very big movie with Jennifer Lopez. So we're doing, we have a bunch of musicals that we're producing. I can't go about them the same way I would go about my, um, a couple of biopics or another period piece I'm, I'm doing as, a, as films because it's just not the same pool of funds um, that are available. You know, it's a different, they make money differently. And because they make money differently, they're invested in differently. And so you have to look at that as uh, as a producer, as you're making that. And I wish writers actually, as you're making your first film or whatever, I wish they would look at, okay, what are the comps that are similar to my film? How did they do at the box office? What places did they place at? Because I think that would really help you in the afterlife after you're done making your film. And you're going, where does this go now? <laughs> you know, right. where can I go? Well, if you knew that afterlife, the constant of So we do that a lot. We do a lot of that um, afterlife before we even start work on it. Um, so I, I'll know who the producers are that are producing this. I'll know the film funds that are giving money towards this. I'll know all of that before we even start the project itself. And while as we're starting that, I'm starting the conversations with those places, letting you know, hey, this is coming. And we're starting those beginning conversations um, already before I even have a script in hand half the time. So uh, I do a lot of leg and early work, well, my team and I do um, for a, a lot of the stuff we do. Like, so the musicals, um, I think we sent to a new film fund, I think we sent like four of the musicals to them before they even writ they were written so that they could start to raise the funds for it. Um, and so every, Every project kind of has its own little life of how you get get it started. So, I mean, you can answer this question, however, whichever way you hear it. But if you had, you know, reasonably a known actor who does a reasonable job mm -hmm. on, say, you know, on on a role, or you have a, a kind of an actor that isn't well known who's done a phenomenal job, how do you choose between the two? Oh, that's a very good question. You know, um, 
you know, pre-sales are a real thing still, you know, yeah. so the, that is still a really big question. Um, and also people, you know, are just really, um, I don't know how to say this, uh, name horny still, you know, they just love a name, you know, and even if that name is not going to move the needle for you when it comes to box office, they're like, it's, it's a name. Woohoo. Um, so people get very excited about that. I don't necessarily, I think I really love breakouts. You know, I think that's exciting mm -hmm. to me, like to yes. have a, have a person have a breakout moment. That to me is like, awesome. I get off on that. So for me, I would always go towards that person that is really going to deliver, um, that we're going to have a good time over a name any day. Um, but the reality is that sometimes in order to sell a film, and I, I'm not going to say sometimes, I'm going to say 80% of the time to sell a film, you need to have some form of a name attached, whether that's in a director, in a producer, or in a, a, a starring role. Um, and hopefully all three, right? <laughs> and hopefully all three, you know? Yes, exactly. That makes it exciting. Especially yes. if you're in the bracket, you know, there's this weird budget bracket between three to 12 million right now. And the three to 12 million films um, are doing excellent at the box office. They're kicking butt at the box office. And, but you would think that would make it easier for us to make them because they're doing so well. They're highly profitable, but they're not. They're the ones that are being subjected to the, the three brackets the most. You know, you've got to have a name, you've got to have a director, you got to, you know, these things, which keep, is very hard to do and keep it in three to 12, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, are you serious? There's no way can, this can stay in that. Now we're at a $45 million film. So, you know, we're right. dealing with that right now where it's really hard to get stuff made because of the name problem. Um, even when the science says, hey, you will make more money if you do three to 12 wow. million. Yeah, 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 no, of course, <laughs> or more. I yeah. mean, I met, I, I met someone recently that he said to me, I don't work for a film that's un that budget is under 300 million. I was like, well, lucky you, you know. Woof. I know, you know it was crazy. Those are special kind of people. I'm just gonna yeah, say really. it. Was, it was interesting. I don't want to do it. That's too much. That's, that's a lot, <laughs> isn't it? I was like, wow. I said, you, you know, I said, you really like self-flagellating, that's for sure, you know? <laughs> yeah, and then it's like, also at the same time, if you're on a $300 million or $100 million film, that means you're typically on that film for at least, for at least three years. You yes, know, just well, that's what he liked. He liked that, yeah. that he had a salary for all that time. Well, I guess that's true too. He doesn't want to be and, like and, that, and he, I think us. that was one of the best things about it. He felt, you know, he thought. I mean, of course, yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, the thing is, these actors, these big actors, big directors, are still artists, right? And they, in a lot of ways, they inside of them, they still are the artists that still made their first film. They want to have that feeling again. Everyone's trying to recreate their first moment again, and what that, what they felt, and what that energy was. So of course, if you can tap into the emotional aspects of what your story is about and really connect it, and that's what we're all trying to do, connect it so that the actor or director feels like it's something authentic to them. Um, it's authentic to the stories that they tell. Absolutely, that's a, a kicker to you know get in there. But here's the problem. The issue is your access to that person. you know, And you're going through um, managers and all these different folks who typically are the first eyes on a project. 
and they have no emotional stake in it, it, it at all because their job is to really look at this and go, how is this a viable project for my person? Is this going to get them notoriety? Is this going to get them awards? Or is this going to make them a shit ton of money? You know, those are the three factors that they're looking at. And if your project doesn't look like it has any of those things, they don't care how emotionally connected they think they're going to be. Um, you know, so there's there's that, you know, you have to get past in a sense. Um, and those are positive gatekeepers because imagine the amount of projects that come towards celebrities, you know, a lot, you know, we all think we have a project that would be perfect for, you know, Jennifer Lopez, you know, everyone's like, if I could just get Jennifer Lopez, <laughs> you know, my story would be on the map. I mean, we all think we have something that would connect with them. And so there's a filtering system that kind of helped them out with that. Otherwise, they would just be overwhelmed. If you can get past that, then yes, absolutely. That's the way to go about it. And that's why we have independent films. And that's why stars still do independent films because they're connecting with the artist. But I can tell you the secret sauce to that is really having a relationship with them, with them before the story. Typically, you're gonna it's gonna be someone that already knows them from something else, and finally they get something to, together, and they're like, "Hey, this is that story that I kept telling you that I think I want to try," and that person's like, "Oh, finally, um, I'm getting the red bar that have poor connection." Okay. Um, that finally, and finally, it's kismet, you know, they can finally do it together. And that's based on a really solid relationship as opposed to a stranger coming and being like, hey, would you do my really great film, you know? So mm -hmm. it's smart. It's smart to just keep developing relationships. And maybe some of your friends will get to that place and you get to develop it with them. So, so what happens, Richard, if you're, you know, working, say, you know, you have friends who are actors who are all kinds of different people, what happens in a situation where, you know, they then come on board with your project and then somehow something goes wrong and there's a disconnect? I mean, how do you deal with those situations? Yeah, um, gosh. I, well, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing everything, right? So at this point, <laughs> you're seeing everything. Uh, I see yeah, everything. You're the magician at the front, you know, waving your wand and trying to make things work. Yeah. I mean, at this point, you know, I, I think it depends on how you have them attached, right? Uh, at what point of right. attachment, if there's a deal memo or a letter of intent or whatever you've got going in, in that, you know, contractually. Um, you know, I think it's all about communication. And, I, and I'll say the biggest failure in film is always communication. Um, and if you're communicating really well with your artist, hopefully you're not running into that. Um, but sometimes you have to do what I, you know, you have to go back to one at, at some point. And sometimes going back to one means losing people. Um, I have a current project right now that I'm producing um, and it, we started out with about four actors already attached to the project. Um, and then I decided, well, you know, I, I came on board as the pr main producer and I said to the other producers, um, this is too heavy. I'm sorry, I have, to, I have to rethink how this looks. And in doing that, that means I had to let people go. Um, that were attached. And, mm. um, and unfortunately, I had to do that because I have to look at the commercial, the commercial aspects of selling this piece. Um, and if it has too many people attached, that's almost kind of, I hate to use the phrase, but dead weight, 
you know, where there it doesn't benefit us. You're, we're not getting bigger pre-sales and we're not getting bigger, more interest because of them. They're just really great actors. Right. Um, at this point, it, does, it doesn't make sense to have them attached. Even if right. I keep, keep them in our pre purview, I'm saying uh, we will definitely bring them in for this part. But at this point, there's no reason to be contractually obligated to them. Um, and it's just communicating to them, hey, we love you. Here's what the reality is. And this is how they're going to look at our project. And it's going to make it harder for us to get this made. And you love this project. I love this project. You know, and I definitely want you in it. Can you trust me? <laughs> you know, and just right. know that we're going to come back to you. Or if I don't want them in the project, I would just say to them, I, the character's going in a different direction, you know, and I, I don't think that's, that's you. I mean, you have to be ready to have the hard conversations all the time. Right, um, of course. And if your artist is not filling the project anymore because it's going in a different direction, uh, but they're trying to stay attached to, them, to it and it's now starting to make issues for both of you, I think you both just need to have to come to Jesus. You know, the, I say to define the relationship. You have to do the DTR for film all the time. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, and go, are we dating? Are we Are we going to date? No, I think we need to cool off. You know, you got to have those moments too. And uh, and I, as a good, a good producer is not afraid to have that um, and do it in a wonderful way where you both can walk away feeling good about it. Um, and yes. I have those all the time. I love that. I think that's so important to walk away feel, you know, feeling good about, you know, the, the situation because, you know, you don't want to have this kind of unsettled situation. That doesn't help. But um, so just, so do you, do you, you know, you do, obviously you do auditions, you do callbacks, do you do a second callback? How, how does that process work? Yeah, I mean, uh, yes, we do obviously auditions. I do callbacks. I do a final callback. I do a chemistry read. I do an on-camera <laughs> callback. At that point, you're getting paid, right? So we're, <laughs> we're at that point, we're like, here's money. Come and do this camera thing so I can see right. if you, how it's reading on camera. Um, yes, I do all of those aspects, and I'm involved in every part of it. In my beginning of my career, I had, I had my casting directors would do a majority of it, and then I would come in at the final place. But I found that having an initial connection to an actor at the beginning of the thing started with me seeing their regular audition, um, sometimes even just their headshot in their slate or their headshot in their resume at the beginning. Um, and that allowed me to really kind of go on a journey. And I found that it actually made me more sensitive to what actors have to do because man, their job is so hard. Can you imagine every day being judged by your looks every oh. day in your talent every day? That's your job is only to put yourself out into a black hole of judgment every day. And I, when the, when I was separated from it, it was so easy for me to be snarky about things and I hated that about myself. Right. Um, and so I needed, I knew I needed to get in it earlier to fill what they feel and to really go on that journey. And I think it's made me a better director and producer overall. And I now love that process. And I love being with them every step in the way. And, you know, and actually I just got a, I just got an email from an actor telling me how, how they felt like it was a safe space and they loved the audition process with me. And, you know, and I, and I pride myself on that now because, 
I just want them to be able to deliver the best that they can deliver in a room. And I feel like it's my job to provide that space for them to do it because that's what I'm doing. I'm going to do on the set as well. And if I can't do that in the audition room, then I'm not worth my salt in producing. Right. For sure. So, I mean, anyway, it's also, you know, all the process that you go through, it's a great way of building relationships with your talent too, isn't it? Those steps that you're, you're referring to, you know, the, the, the processes and, at the the audition, the callback, you know, it, all of that, you know, you get to know yeah. them, you get to work with them and you understand what their needs are as well as how you can get, you know, what you need across as well. Absolutely. I love repeat offenders, you know, and, <laughs> and, and, and I mean, and you're building those relationships to have repeat offenders, you know, and you know, we all talk about Scorsese and all, all the different actors that he consistently uses or Tarantino, you know, and they, it's because you've built this relationship of trust with each other, um, of a safe space that you can both be artists and explore and you trust each other to do that. Um, and I love that. And I think you only do that um, by offering up exactly what you said, you know, and um, that excites me to, to be able to do that. And so I, I, I love that at this point that I have a roster of actors that if I called up and I said, hey, I want you to do this part, that I know that they would say yes. They would just go, let me fit it into my schedule. I love that, you know, and because yeah. of that, I, I'm always thinking about them. I am. I'm going, is this, can what's her name do this? She would be kind of great for this. You know, I love that. I want to put them in it. And it's not just because we're our friends now, but it's because I trust them. You know, I trust them to make collaborate with them. And I want people I can collaborate with and um, and where the magic will happen. And I think all of us directors, all of us writers, producers are looking for that. Of course, you know, that's all part of it, too, isn't it? So so but which part of it do you really love? What, what is the thing that really resonates with you? Is it the final, you know, you directing or is it you producing, writing? Um, all of it, you know, I, I'm a, I think I'm slightly, uh, schizophrenic. And so <laughs> I've got many personalities. Um, and because <laughs> of that, I'm turn, trying to service all those personalities with one bottle. I didn't know that you were schizophrenic. Okay. New to me. I'm, ju I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but you probably didn't know. Uh, <laughs> like, who's this guy? Um, yeah, I, I, for me, I, I would say if, if I had to have to pick, producing is definitely my favorite of all of them. Um, because I think in producing, you get to be involved in all of those aspects. You know, writer is, writing is very central and mm -hmm. it's very alone. Directing is highly collaborative, but still you're like the leader, or, you know, situation. Um, a little bit different. Um, producing is really this, can be this really magical awesome thing and i love being other people's champion because i i feel like when i started i was i was super lucky in my career to have people that championed me um to allow me to do the things whether that was people that gave me money for my films or whether that was other big directors who were like hey go do this uh you know i had like some of the biggest directors in tv they were like hey go direct that scene while i was just shadowing them you know, mm -hmm. uh, I, I've had these amazing, lovely opportunities and friendships 
And, and these guys have become, I could call these guys up and they would be my champion on anything. And I realized at one point we all need champions. Um, and yes, I love here. that you say that. That's so important. It's very important. And the producer can be the best champion, not only for a project, but for an individual artist. Wow. I love that. That's fantastic. So I just, we're just getting to the end of our room. I just want to ask people if they have any questions they want to talk to Richard about, please, you know, raise your hand. But also, you know, you've got your Anthology Institute and the Anthology Film Festival. Do you want to elaborate on those? Because yeah. they're fascinating to me. So I, you know, because of that champion aspect of what I love, you know, I, there, I wanted to start a nonprofit, uh, that really thought about that. And so I started Anthology Institute last year um, and I've been working my butt off to get it up. And, uh, and we, we are, Anthology Institute is providing um, emergency and production grants to filmmakers and theater makers globally. And right. this year we have committed to um, actually granting 50 films um, uh, we, we've committed to 50 films to provide grants for, and those grants will vary between $5,000 and $20,000 um, for films. And so I'm super excited to bring that, and I'm hoping every year I can up the amount of films that I will be able to uh, grant money to. Um, and one of the things that we are doing at Anthology Institute, and one of our outreaches is also the Anthology Film Festival, and that's happening May 14th through the 19th. Um, this year, and we're doing that in at LA. In yeah, LA, at the right. World AMC, I'm, you're, I'm definitely will be invited. Versa, I will get you. Yes, please. Definitely all the invites. Yes, um, and put me on the top of your list for your grants too. Absolutely, of course. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, and so uh, that festival will be happening. Um, we're not a genre-specific festival. We're everything. I'm ha happy to announce that the Hollywood Chamber of Commerce is coming aboard as a partner with us, and. It's super exciting and um, I'm just stoked about it. We'll have a specialty section of women in film as well. Um, and I, when I say that, it's not like they're put on their own day. We're just doing a lot more work to expose and highlight them. And the great thing about Anthology Film Festival is that uh, we like to say that we're, uh, even though it's our first year, we like to say that we're going to be a career defining festival. And when I mean, what we mean by that is that you're not just coming to show your film at our festival, you're coming to start your career at our festival. And we're going mm -hmm. to be there to help mentor and guide you throughout your career um, uh, as long as you need us, you know, resource-wise. So you're not just getting a film in for like six days, you're actually getting us for the rest of your career if you want us, if you want to date us. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. And I, and I think that's really cool. And hopefully, and grants will go live at the end of this month. Um, so people will be able to start applying for them at the end of this month with their projects. So I'm, I'm super excited that I can champion this and provide it and, um, and hopefully add more to the, the film sphere. Wow. So, I mean, what tips do you have for budding producers in the room for actors and people who want to kind of act? write and direct or act and direct is, you know, what, what, what advice would you give them? Um, gosh, multi and multi, multi advice. I, you know, ultimately you probably all heard this over and over. And I think it's just so true 
you got to find the story that you connect to. Um, and I only say that not because of often, uh, a lot of people say it's because of authenticity. And I don't think that's really the reason. I think the real reason you need to connect to it um, is because you need to be passionate about it because you're going to hit a lot of roadblocks. And if you're not story, the roadblocks after a while will just get to a place where you just give up. Um, but if you're very passionate and connected to the story, you're not, you, you believe that it needs to be told and you're going to do everything in your power to tell that story. And that's why I think that's super important for writers. I would say the most important thing is to learn how to outline. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's my simple advice for writers know how to outline. Cause, uh, I, I always say, I will, I won't even think about hiring you. I'll say this as a producer too. As a showrunner and a, as a film producer, I won't even think about hiring or buying your film if I can't see your outline. If I don't know you know how to outline, I am not interested. Um, and that's mainly because you're telling the story in the outline. And if you can tell it and without dialogue to me on a step-by-step -step outline, then then you have something. If I want to like make that movie off of that outline, I'm like I'm into it. Um, and for a TV show, you just have to need to need to know how to outline because that's what we do on the daily for a TV show. Um, so that's my thing for writers and for directors. I don't know if I have any advice for y'all. You find your own way. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so what kind of a director are you? Are you quiet? Are you, you know, because I've been on sets where the set is extremely quiet and nobody can even talk. There's not even a whisper. And I've been on sets where, you know, there's a lot of yelling and shouting and get your ass in whatever, you know, get your ass over there and stuff. So, you know, what kind of, where do you fit into that? I'm a contemplative physical director. So okay. I'm typically not in my seat until I have to be right. um, at Video Village. You know, I'm on my feet. I'm standing with the actors or the cinematographer typically right by their side if they need me. I feel like sometimes if you're a good director, you work for the actors and your team. And your goal is just to problem solve. If you're a really good director, that's what you're doing because you've done a lot of pre-production work. And so all they're doing is actualizing all the work that you've already done, right? right? So at this point, your job is just to really problem solve when it because you should be hitting everything else you've already planned. Or if you guys have a moment of magic where you guys all come together and you go, oh, we should try this, let's try it. But you can only get there if you've done a really good job of planning everything ahead of time. Um, so for me, I'm a really great pre-production planner as a director and really good at rehearsals with my actors before we're on set. That allows room for them to be able to still be creative and not be baked. And so that when we're on set, everyone can be calm and we can be at our highest vibe vibration of creative creativity. Um, it's almost... Uh, euphoric <laughs> kind of feeling, I think, to be on my sets, you know, uh, and there's always good food. But besides <laughs> that, um, <laughs> you know, I, I think I'm kind of kind of quiet. I'm I'm definitely like taking it all in, and um, I'm championing. You know, at the same time, I, I'm your biggest hype girl for sure on set too. So I'm gonna be the person that's like slapping your back, high fiving you, going, "Yeah, we got that." Yeah, that was amazing. Um, but everyone knows I'm telling the truth because I'm only going to say what I believe as well. I don't know. I'm the, I, yeah, maybe I'm the hype guy. Thanks for asking that question. I'm, I'm finding out myself. 
<laughs> what I am. I think I might be the hype guy. I'm like, I'm like behind the chair going, yes, yes. Well, yeah, you, yeah. you, you've always been like that. You've always been championing everyone around you, you know, and I, I love that about you. Thank you. Yeah, my mom is like that. My mom has been my mom. I learned that from my mother. She's a the biggest champion and believer in people, um, and takes care of everyone. And I noticed that people will love her. I noticed that early in my life, and I figured out what that secret sauce was that she has. And she's a champion, and and to be like her is like the greatest joy in, that I can have, you know. And for people to say you remind me of your mom. I, I love that because um, she's like my, my biggest hero. So I learned that from her for wow. sure. So what's next for you? What's coming up? What are you, you know, working on that you can share with us? Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, well, there's the festival. So everybody, yes. if you get a chance, go to Anthology Film Festival. There's two of us, by the way. There's a horror film one. That's not us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're the other one. <laughs> But you can find us at anthologyinstitute.org. Um, uh, right now, I'm actually working on uh, bringing the first BL series to America, which is this weird genre uh, called Boys Love. I know it's a weird name, but it, it actually is called Yaoi from Japan. And it's um, an LGBTQ-centered storyline. Um, and I'm very excited about it, that this is the first American version of that. So I'm bringing that TV series to us, and that will probably premiere, not probably, it will premiere in September, um, and we're in production now for it, and casting other stuff for it. And then I'm working on this really amazing period piece uh, in the Gilded Age, um, and it's this friendship story um, set in the Gilded Age. It's like it's like Pride and Prejudice uh, meets, I don't know what I'm going to say, uh, it's like a male version of Pride and Prejudice, I guess you can say. Um, It's super beautiful and super lovely. And one of the main characters is this black artist. And I love the idea of beginning to tell a black artist story set in this time period of reconstruction, um, which was probably the most creative aspect points for the black community after coming out of slavery. Um, and I think it's such an important thing to see and tell. Um, that's not just a slavery story or a modern story. Mm-hmm. And so that's my one of my big uh, films that I'm currently working on right now. That sounds amazing, actually. Wow. So, so that's called Wolf and Fox Hunt. So I'm Wolf and Fox Hunt. You get yes. very on, it's based upon very anglais the... there, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, based upon the very famous um, painting that you can find um, in some museum, because I'm going just my mind at the Met. Sorry, the Met. At the Met. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. So, thank you so much, Richard, for being here. You sharing such amazing, dropping gems left, right, and center here. Thank you so much for. for for your time and uh, you know we'll probably have you back again because we just i love you i love i love talking to you and as well i love talking to you and hearing that <laughs> accent all the time thank you um so as as a kind of a, what would be your final quote you know that you could share with everybody 
I think what I would say to everybody is just remember that you need a, a little swagger, a little humbleness, and a little delusion to make it in this business. I love that. That's and fantastic. That, I want it as a t-shirt. I, I think you should. <laughs> I think you should sell it, you know. Thank you. And just as a final note, I wanted to tell everyone um, the podcast, our Versa Vision podcast, is now hosted on multiple platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, Amazon Music, Audible, iHeartRadio, and Samsung, as well as Google Podcasts. So we're going to, you hear, you know, you hear this room everywhere on those podcasts. So thank you, everyone, for being here how fantastic it is that you take the time to learn and grow along with all of us. So thank you. And next week we've got um, casting director Scotty Mullen is rejoining us with his wit and wisdom. So thank you and see you all next week. And thank you, Richard, again. <laughs>